0: The Gospels record for us a peculiar meal, a meal that immediately preceded the death of Jesus Christ on a cross. This meal was actually a symbolic interaction of two meals representing two covenants. Jesus celebrated a final Passover and Jesus inaugurated the First Communion. And this meal terminated a long era in redemptive history during which God related to his people through the Sinaitic covenant. And the meal also inaugurated the New Covenant. Well, why are meals so important? Only in America, with our glut of food, do we assume that food is convenient. And that food is cheap. But if you had to slit the throat and drain the blood of God's creation, if you had to labor for 12 months for a harvest, you would understand the mystery of death that sustains all life. Since the fall, death is a precondition to life. This is the horrible predicament that our fallenness has placed upon all creation. If plants and animals do not die, you do not live. We kill and we eat and we stave off death for 70 years and then we die. Jesus at His final Passover understood that to sustain life for a day, you sacrifice the creation. But to sustain life forever, you must sacrifice the Creator. The Creator must drain His life's blood into His dying creation. At Passover, the family brought a spotless, sacrificial lamb Brought them brought them to the temple. Josephus tells us approximately 250,000 lambs were sacrificed in the time of Christ every year at Passover. 600 priests in the temple drained a quarter million gallons of blood in large basins. And those basins were taken and they were splashed against the great altar. The blood pooled and gullied and drained off the Temple Mount. Two hundred and fifty thousand lambs. Imagine all that blood. It mingled with the water from a brook that coursed through the Kidron Ravine, which ran down the side of the Temple Mount like a horrible scar in the landscape. The lamb, drained of its blood, was then splayed on two lengths of wood one pinning the shoulders a second running the length of the spine the wood formed the unmistakable shape of a cross the lambs were roasted on the temple altars and carried to homes for passover while well, jesus celebrated a final passover meal with his disciples but he spontaneously transformed that meal in five significant ways. First, Jesus reoriented the meaning of the meal to himself. He did not recite the history of the Exodus as the father, the patra would typically do at a Passover celebration. In fact, so far as we know, Jesus did not look backwards to the Exodus at all. Instead, he looked forward to, quote, drinking the new wine with you in my Father's kingdom in the future. Jesus spoke of the coming of the Holy Spirit and the dawn of a whole new age of redemption. Second, Jesus reoriented the meaning of the bread. Take, eat, this is my body. The unleavened Passover bread traditionally symbolized the hasty exodus of the Hebrews from Egypt. But suddenly Jesus says, this bread is my body. That would have sounded scandalous to the Jews or to any culture that detests cannibalism. For 1500 years, the bread meant something entirely different. And Jesus says, this is my body. Salvation is neither convenient nor cheap. The Creator must be slain. Bread will nourish our bodies for a day. But only the sacrifice of the Creator will sustain us for eternity. Third, Jesus reoriented the meaning of the cup. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And Even while he drank, the blood of thousands of lambs drained off the temple mount. The priest took a knife with a quick muscular blow just punctuated the heart of the lamb. The blood drained And in mere moments, Jesus descends from the upper room. He journeys down into the scar of the Kidron where the blood and water flowed from the gash in the temple side. And Jesus cites Zechariah's prophecy, strike the shepherd. And Zechariah told us on that day there shall be a fountain open to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. Puncture the heart of the shepherd and a new healing stream of blood and water will flow from the temple's scar. Fourth, Jesus spoke suddenly of a new covenant. Every Jew understood the covenant God made at Sinai delivering the nation in the first Passover. But Jesus speaks suddenly of a covenant involving His own blood. Hebrews 8 makes it emphatically clear that Jeremiah 31 with its prediction of a new covenant was indeed fulfilled in Christ. And one of the great provisions of that covenant was this. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Every time we partake of communion we are celebrating the forgiveness of our iniquity in the new covenant. And fifthly, Jesus left the, fine over, the final Passover table incomplete. Any Jewish reader accustomed to the Passover meal would read Matthew 26 and verse 30 with tremendous surprise. The text says, and when they had sung a hymn, They went out to the Mount of Olives. Well, something is jarringly wrong. The Passover always concluded by consuming a fourth cup of wine. Four cups were traditionally placed throughout the meal. And it concluded with the fourth cup. Jesus deliberately left the final Passover Eerily incomplete. For the moment, follow Jesus now from the upper room. He passes through the Kidron, his feet mingling with the blood of thousands of lambs. He prays in the garden. Judas betrays him. Jesus stands trial. A charge is brought. This man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. Jesus condemned is now driven to His cross. The executioners offer Him wine. He refuses it. The lamb is crucified. A length of wood splayed across His shoulders. A second running the length of His spine. People walk beneath his cross, mocking him. You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Darkness falls for three hours. And Jesus, knowing that the scriptures were now fulfilled, in complete mastery of every detail of the final week, says, I thirst. Wine is brought. And Jesus drank the fourth cup. Jesus bowed his head. And the final Passover ended. Jesus drained the dregs, the wrath of Almighty God. But was his death a sacrifice? A final Passover sacrifice inaugurating a new exodus. A new exodus from the curse into the glories of the new creation to come. Was it a sacrifice? No one standing there at the foot of the cross would have understood it to have been a sacrifice. Because the Passover sacrifices were to occur in the temple. And Jesus was crucified outside the city. So was it a sacrifice? The temple veil split apart. Its foundations rumbled with an earthquake. And God never again required a sacrifice on its altars. Not another drop of animal blood ever needs stain the garments of another priest. When the temple veil opened, anyone could peer into the Holy of Holies. And what did they see? Nothing. Josephus tells us the Holy of Holies was completely empty in the time of Christ. The ark had disappeared 600 years earlier in the Babylonian captivity. When Pompey, the Roman general, entered the Holy of Holies in 63, he also tells us it was empty. But in three days, in three days, as the Old Testament predicted, Yahweh returned suddenly to His temple and raised His body from the grave. Jesus' death was a sacrifice, but it was not a sacrifice in the temple. It was a sacrifice of the temple. John told us that the Word was made flesh. And here's the word he used. He tabernacled among us in the Incarnation. And this sacrifice of the temple was indeed the sacrifice of a Creator pouring His life again into a dying creation to raise it to eternal life. And in the first century, Two temples were destroyed, but one was raised. And the lyrics of the final Hallel Psalm proclaim, The stone that the builders rejected outside the city has become the cornerstone. If indeed we have entered the new covenant in His blood, then we have embraced the the rejected stone. And every time that we now partake of this bread and of this cup, we affirm that Jesus' death was a sacrifice. A sacrifice neither convenient nor cheap, but a sacrifice to end all sacrifices. And we affirm that God raised a new temple from the grave. And we affirm that all believers, like living stones, are being raised in our resurrections as a temple of everlasting praise for our new covenant king.